Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, lady. It's Dr. Dom here. If you like this show and you want to make your own, let me tell you about the free platform Anchor. It's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. You can add songs from Spotify and create any type of content that you are looking for. Anchor will distribute it all for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. On this week's episode in Her Space, to really shift into radical acceptance. So radical acceptance, we would say within our community, it is what it is, right? She is who she is. I am who I am. (laughs) This relationship is what it is. And so I release the fantasy and I grieve that I will not get the fantasy. But now I have to come to terms with what do I want to do with what is. Today's episode is sure to provide you with motivation, inspiration, or even a fresh perspective. If you have any aha moments or if you feel comforted throughout the episode, lady, please leave us a review and tell us what we're doing right so we can stay on track. Also, we release episodes every Friday, so be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit herspacepodcast.com and enter your email address to get updates about our live events and all of the new beginnings that we have for this year. Welcome to Her Space, a podcast dedicated to uplifting women like you. We're your hosts, Dr. Dominique Broussard, a college professor and psychologist, and Terry Lomax, a techie and motivational speaker. In a world where Black women are often misrepresented and misunderstood, please join us as we initiate authentic conversations on everything from fibroids to fake friends and create a safe space where Black women can just be. Hey, lady, it's Terry here from the Herspace podcast, and I have some exciting news for you. I just published my self-help book, How to Glow Up As You Grow Up, your go-to guide for overcoming obstacles and making lemonade. So if you've ever experienced loss, childhood trauma, a narcissistic partner, or depression, this book is just for you. If you visit glowupbook.com, again, that's glowupbook.com, you can order your copy today and you will surely be inspired. So I hope that you decide to join me on this journey and I'll see you soon. All right, lady, get ready, get ready. We are so excited about today's episode, okay? Dr. Tame Bryant Davis is a licensed psychologist, ordained minister, and sacred artist who has worked nationally and globally to provide relief and empowerment to marginalized persons. 
She's an associate professor at Pepperdine University and a past president of the Society for the Psychology of Women. Her contributions to psychological research, policy, and practice have been honored by national and regional psychological associations. She has served as a mental health media consultant for numerous print, radio, and television media outlets, including, but not limited to, The Huffington Post, NPR, CBS, Oxygen, CNN, BT, TV One, Lifetime, and WeTV. And she gave us an incredible episode, season three, episode 12 of the Herspace podcast called Healing Intergenerational Trauma. You have got to go check that out. Dr. Tamo, welcome back to Her Space. Yay! <laughs> I am so glad to be with you all. What a treat. Yes, and we are so excited to have you back with us. So we are going to jump right in. Our quote of the day. As your clarity grows, you recognize sometimes it's not about releasing, but instead acknowledging what's already gone or what was never there. Dr. Tama, you know those words. I do. <laughs> that sounds very familiar. Yes. <laughs> Lady, if you are not following Dr. Tama on social media, please do. Every day, Dr. Tama blesses us with gems like Quotes like our quote of the day that are meant to inspire and empower and enlighten. And so as we dive into our topic for today, the mother-daughter relationship, Dr. Tama, I don't know if that quote was meant for that particular relationship, but I know as Terry and I were prepping for this episode, that quote resonated with both of us as we think about the mother-daughter relationship. It's so important because sometimes we have in our minds an ideal, right? A picture of what was the mother you wanted, (laughs) how you think a mother ought to be. It might even be the fantasy based on what you think about other people's relationship with their mother. And so if what you wanted or needed is not what you received, there's a grieving in that, but there also needs to be an acceptance of that truth instead of continuing to set ourselves up for frustration and disappointment that here it is another time that my mother was not the mother I wanted. And so instead to really shift into radical acceptance. So radical acceptance, we would say within our community, it is what it is, right? She is who she is. I am who I am. (laughs) This relationship is what it is. And so I release the fantasy and I grieve that I will not get the fantasy. But now I have to come to terms with what do I want to do with what is? What do I want to do with who I am and who she is and what this is? And for some people, it is grieving what was lost. I have worked with clients who, for example, had a great relationship with their mom 
until their mom got a new boyfriend, stepfather. And that really changed the dynamic of feeling kind of pushed out um, or having to deal with someone who was not healthy or kind and your mom being silent. Or it may be, you know, I had a good relationship with my mom and then my mom sent me to live with my grandmother, live with somebody else. So for some people, they had something and then lost it. Or, you know, another example is people who lost it after their parents didn't approve of them. You know, some will say things were good when I was younger, but then when I came into myself, that it can be various reasons. Sometimes, you know, a mother out of their insecurity will look at a teenage daughter as competition instead of a daughter. And so that can shake things up. I've had daughters who were rejected once they came out. Their, you know, parents for their own reasons or religious reasons are unaccepting. And so sometimes you had it and you lost it. And then there are also those who have to grieve the fact that they never had it. You know, that when they look back over their childhood and into adulthood, it just has never been nurturing, kind, accepting, respectful. And so needing to, it's not just like give up the fantasy, but to recognize like what I never had. And so that I don't remain stuck in yesterday or continuing to compare her to other people's mom or the picture of who I want her to be. That was so powerful, Dr. Tama. I have so many thoughts running through my mind right now. One is where are my tissues? I got to get ready for this conversation. Number two is who is telling Dr. Tama my business? That's what I really want to know. Who's telling Dr. Tama what's going on in my life? <laughs> and number three, I mean, you already dove into our first question around what are the common unhealthy relationships that you see with women and their moms? And so I know for me personally, I resonate deeply with the latter. And so it wasn't until I went to therapy, my therapist you know, had to point out to me, like, you never had this traditional mother-daughter relationship and you're trying to fit your life and expectations. You're trying to fit things into this model that you never had that. And I was just like, oh, just because you call someone mom and they call you daughter, it's like, that doesn't mean that you have this sort of traditional relationship. And so trying to fit something into a, a place that it doesn't fit, I think is key. And that grieving process is key. I guess my question for you is, what does one or where does one receive the maternal nurturing if they have a severed relationship, right? If they, you know, ended that relationship with their mom or they're just not on the same page, where do you get that maternal nurturing from? So it is important to grieve and recognize what you didn't receive. And to first, I would say, really like get in your bones, in your soul, that you were deserving of it. Because sometimes we can think, even as a little girl, right, that something must be wrong with me, that, you know, other girls are adored, appreciated, celebrated, you know, taken here and there. People give up their whole lives to make their children the center of their lives, right? T, okay, I'm not trying to interrupt the show, but I had this random idea I want to share with you and I don't want to forget it. Tell me, tell me, what is it? Okay. So you know how at the start of every new year, birthday, new moon, anniversary, new month, new anything, people find themselves wanting to have a reset, but they're not sure where to start. Mm -hmm, I sure do. What are you thinking? 
what if we hosted a workshop where we could interact with our listeners to talk about stuff like self-care and self-love? OMG. And we could even have a session about manifestation, leaving toxic relationships and becoming our best selves. Girl, I am so excited. I'm sold. We could call it the Vibrate Higher Empowerment Workshop. Yes, yes, that is it. And, and, and we could even host a live quarterly wind down to check in and build community as we vibrate higher all year. Yo, I love it. I love it. I'm so let's do it. Lady, if this sounds like fun to you, visit newyearworkshop.com and join us for the Vibrate Higher Empowerment Workshop. If you want to release baggage, set intentions and manifest the life you desire, this is just for you, lady. That's newyearworkshop.com. We can't, we can't wait, wait to, to connect, connect with you. With you. And so never getting that and to recognize it's not what we call a meritocracy. So a meritocracy is if I do good, good things happen to me. And a lot of people believe that, which then translates to if I didn't get good, it meant I was bad or I was undeserving versus people can have issues that are independent of us, even though they're related to us. And that's really hard to take in because it it feels very personal because you're the one not receiving. So like who else could it have to do with but me? Right. So this idea of if she had some other kind of daughter, you know, some other kind of and, and I would say it especially gets heightened if there is more than one sibling and some of the siblings are getting it or one other sibling is getting it. Then that really hurts because then you're like, well, they're capable. Right. Like, I can't say they're not capable. And some people are getting this love and attention or I see them giving it to their dating partner or giving it you know, even to other children. You know, people who their their parent is a school teacher or volunteers at church and you see, show them around there. They're the most loving, kind, supportive. So that hurts even more deeply that it's not she is incapable, but she withheld it from me. Right. And it can be all kinds of reasons why people have done that. Sometimes they associate the child with their father. And if I had issues with your father and you look like your father or you remind me of that season of my life and there is that pushback. I was working with another mom who. All right, lady, it's about that time. Dom and I want to share a few sponsors with you that we believe you'd enjoy. So stay tuned, get those promo codes, and we'll hop right back into this informative conversation. Lady, as you know, this month is Women's History Month, and it's a great opportunity to highlight the stories of Black women specifically. Black representation holds significant importance in conveying possibilities to everyone not just those of us in the Black community. I can recall growing up watching Oprah Winfrey and the Black newscasters in my hometown of New Orleans. And it showed me the importance of sharing my own stories and using my own voice. Well, the next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's latest collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR, 
Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Tracy Ellis Ross to Beyonce's Renaissance, Michelle Obama to the women behind the Montgomery bus boycott, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. What I love most about Black stories, Black truths is the fact that the stories are from us and they cover topics we want to hear. I recently listened to an episode called Tracy Ellis Ross is an Icon and Our Favorite Rich Auntie. And it was just such a breath of fresh air to hear her perspective on her new projects, what she loves most about podcasts, and how she feels about being called the Rich Black Auntie. It was good. Now, you know, Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, You'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be told about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. You know, didn't really understand, I'm going to say science of her daughter had been colicky. So, you know, uh, uh, so then a baby is crying all the time. But the way the mother talks about it is this girl has hated me since she was born. And she was perpetually punishing me since she was a baby. And I'm like, how's a baby punishing you? Because she wouldn't stop crying. And it was like, had really created this whole idea about a baby. Right, who that has nothing to do with she wasn't rejecting you, hating you, right? So it can be multiple reasons why there is that disconnection. Another one that comes to mind for me is my godmother is Dr. Renita Weems, who is a great womanist theologian looking at the Bible from the perspective of black women. And she wrote about you know, what it was like for her being raised by a mother who was an alcoholic. And she described on Mother's Day how there was never a card that fit. You know, it's no card for to the mom who is always passed out on the couch, right? To the mom that I have to walk into the bed, to the mom who cussed me out, you know, whenever she had the chance. So it's like all this sugary, flowery language that, you know, just feels like erasure. Like, does everybody else have these mom and these cards, right, that I didn't get? And, you know, the secrecy and the shame and the covering for people. I remember another client who her mother dealt with severe depression. And so her whole childhood, her only meals were at school. But she said she would never tell anybody because she didn't want to get her mom in trouble. Right. So you get the free lunch at school. And then at some point they added free breakfast and then you come home and that's it. Right. And so uh, there are so many stories that we can just look at as the complexity of women's lives, right? And that complexity and those wounds don't automatically get healed when we give birth. And so then not only are we living in that reality, but our children 
are having to live with those unhealed wounds. So, you know, one of the terms for that is called intergenerational trauma. And so I am not just healing from what I experienced directly, but what was passed down to me because whatever my parents and grandparents went through, it had an effect on how they showed up for me or didn't show up for me. It had an effect on how they treated me, the way they spoke to me. You know, those things can get passed down. And so you ask the question how people can find that nurturance. And I, I wanted to start from the place of really seeing your mother as a complete being separate from you. Because when I see her as a woman, as a hurting woman, even as an immature woman, or as a woman who has never had the luxury of healing or therapy, as a woman who has fought through her memories with addiction or hyper-religiosity, right, where she can't have a real conversation and we always just have to go to, you know, what the Bible says. So that that is the way some people survived. And so as an adult, I can look at her as an adult, right? And, and some things will start to make sense outside of me. You know, I was blessed with a loving mother. And at the same time, you know, I grew up with a mother who uh, dealt with depression and anxiety. And so, you know, once I understood that as an adult, there are moments that make sense, right? There are moments I can look back and know like, what, yeah, what was that? Like, what was that whole thing about? Then like, yeah, if I take myself out of the center and I center her and her life's journey, it makes sense. It's not okay. Right, but it makes sense. So that is important before we, in some ways, start to look for other mothers. Because if at my core I am still feeling like something is wrong with me, no amount of compliments from someone else is going to fill that hole. Right. And so that's when we can be in the place where even when people affirm us, we don't believe them. Right. We're like, yeah, you're just saying that or you're just nice. Right. Or you're just a therapist. Of course, you're going to say that. (laughs) You know, it's like it's unbelievable. I can't receive it. Right. Or or another one that comes up is people who think it's a scam, like a manipulation. You know, some people you talk kind to them and they're like, what's your game? I'm like, I I don't have a game. I, I don't have an agenda here. But it can be so unbelievable. Right. And or the belief that you must not know me well, right? Because of course we think the person who knows me the most is my mother. So if my mother thinks I'm ridiculous, there must be truth in that. So maybe I'm tricking you, right? Maybe you are complimenting me because I'm tricking you. And so we have to like unravel all of that programming so that when the mentor, the auntie, the other mother, the therapist shows up, we can actually receive what is being given, right? And it's not easy, like I'm saying it like a simple sentence, (laughs) but it is a continuous having to push back those feelings of unworthiness so that I can actually receive, and here it is, receive without performance. Because when you were not valued as a daughter, you can get very busy and very perfectionistic and very like, I have to prove myself and I'm going to win people's love, right? And that can carry over to your relationships. Everything 
And you might miss it as a problem because it can look like, oh my God, this is like a great friend and partner. She'll give up the world for you. You just say like, what's really underneath all of that? Why is it you'll give up yourself for everybody? And so it's a healing process and a continuous process, but there are people who want to provide the care and affirmation and who will see you in the, in the fullness of who you are. Wow. 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 That was okay. There were just, as you were talking, there were so many moments where I was like, okay, yes, I recognize that some of those traits in myself and I recognize that in friends and in other people that I know. And so I think about how it's so true for all of us, right? That no matter what the relationship is with our mother, that it's important for us to look at our moms as individual adult beings. But I think that that is often the struggle, right? Of truly pulling yourself out of the equation and really looking at your mom as an individual adult being. And so I want to shift just a little bit. So we've talked about this, this one piece of the spectrum where there may be unhealthy relationships between mother and daughter. I want to shift to another part of the spectrum where on the outside, it appears really beautiful, but there's an enmeshment happening between mother and daughter. And so I guess, so my question really is, how do we know when there's a healthy balance or healthy mother-daughter relationship versus this, this relationship is too enmeshed and bordering on unhealthy? a great question and so important. And, you know, I will say uh, just in terms of that, the term, because it's a, it's a technical term that we, it, it brings to my mind the importance of cultural awareness among therapists, because overall, Black families, Latino families, Asian families, Native American families in general are more collectivistic, right? More, you know, interconnected, right? And so sometimes therapists or those white therapists or those of us who have been trained by white therapists, which are the majority, can be quick to highlight individuality and make and pathologize us being interconnected. So we want to be mindful that connection can be a strength and it can be a resource but there, there are ways in which it can become unhealthy. So I appreciate the question. So one of the indicators of when it is unhealthy is when it is exclusive. And that is, you know, when my mother's my best friend, my daughter's my best friend, and we don't talk to nobody else. <laughs> We're not, we don't want no, you know, some, some people will phrase it like, I don't want friends outside of my family, right? So if that is your only friend, and it's like unacceptable maybe to either of you to relate to other people, then it's unhealthy, 
right? It's unhealthy. If that's if that can be my only. Another way when it becomes unhealthy, if both people are not able to be authentic individuals, right? That you have to agree on everything. And just by virtue of development, and you know, some mothers and daughters have a lot alike. You know, we we inspire each other. So it's not, you know, automatically a problem. My mom was a writer. She encouraged me to write. I like to write. I encourage my daughter to write, right? But we also, personality-wise, style-wise, music, right? We have other tastes and interests. So is there room for you to be a unique being? How does the mother or daughter respond if you have a difference of opinion? And is it safe to emotionally safe to even express that, right? So the the freedom of being a unique person, and then you want to also be careful about, is there, this is connected, but is there erasure in the sense of the relationship is one-sided? So, you know, a healthy relationship should be give and take. But if you're having to give everything and you're not really receiving anything back, or vice versa, they're giving you everything and you're, you're now an adult and not giving anything back, then there is a problem. So you want mutuality and reciprocity for it to really be healthy. That is so helpful, Dr. Tama. And I would love to just ask about, you know, advice for processing. You know, let's say that a woman does not have a very healthy relationship with her mom or they don't have a relationship at all, but she sees so many women around her with beautiful relationships. I remember you being on our podcast last time and you talked about, I think you may have said your mother wrote a book and you said that was one of your favorite books and you just spoke so highly of your mom. It was so beautiful. And I remember I actually just spoke to someone today and she said, you know, my mom is my hero. She's my best friend. And I was like, oh, that's so amazing. And over the years for me personally, the feelings have evolved. So there was a time where around Mother's Day, it was like a little bit of jealousy and envy because it's like, oh, everyone else has these amazing relationships with their mother. They can count on their mom. You know, she's reliable, whatever it might be. And then I feel now that it's more of a an admiration and excitement and a longing for one day for me to have, you know, a relationship with my child and be able to build that. So how do you process all of the feelings that come up when you see other people with their amazing mother-daughter relationships and you don't have that? Such a great and important question. And the key, fundamental key is self-compassion and no judgment, right? Of course you would want that. You know, what it reminds me of, you know, what I just think about emotionally is for women who have fertility challenges. And they'll describe, you know, seeing people with their babies and, you know, feeling guilty or feeling bad for the jealousy or the envy or the like, or the anger of like, why couldn't that be me? Right. And so we can be so harsh with ourselves. And so to allow myself to feel what I feel and to know what I wanted from a mother was not so like out of the ordinary or too much. Right. It was not that I was too needy. Right. That these were just like really basics of, you know, wanting to be loved and appreciated. 
All right, lady, it's about that time. Dom and I want to share a few sponsors with you that we believe you'd enjoy. So stay tuned, get those promo codes, and we'll hop right back into this informative conversation. Lady, as you know, this month is Women's History Month, and it's a great opportunity to highlight the stories of Black women specifically. Black representation holds significant importance in conveying possibilities to everyone not just those of us in the Black community. I can recall growing up watching Oprah Winfrey and the Black newscasters in my hometown of New Orleans. And it showed me the importance of sharing my own stories and using my own voice. Well, the next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's latest collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today told from a unique Black perspective. From Tracy Ellis Ross to Beyonce's Renaissance, Michelle Obama to the women behind the Montgomery bus boycott, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. What I love most about Black stories, Black truths is the fact that the stories are from us and they cover topics we want to hear. I recently listened to an episode called Tracy Ellis Ross is an Icon and Our Favorite Rich Auntie. And it was just such a breath of fresh air to hear her perspective on her new projects, what she loves most about podcasts, and how she feels about being called the rich black auntie. It was good. Now, you know, black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be told about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And a parent who would make sacrifices for you, who would fight for you, you know, advocate for you who would show up and celebrate you like this. This is not some terrible list I have. Right. So when you see it, I think that's a part of the processing is wherever I am in the journey to be able to release a judgment so that I can feel the truth. Because what happens is one, when we judge ourselves for our feelings, we multiply the difficulty right now. I'm jealous and guilty. Right. So I said, let me just feel what I feel and give myself space for that. And also the self-awareness is important. So then I don't have to put that on other people. Right. 
if I'm not aware that that's what I'm feeling, I might start being like harsh with that friend. And I don't know why. But right when I'm tuned into like, oh, that's what's going on. So let, you know, even if I have to take a space of like, you know, I'll, you know, I thought I could come with y'all on this Mother's Day brunch, but maybe next week, right? I, I can't do it. So tuning into yourself to tell yourself the truth, to give yourself permission for the grief or even the anger. And a lot of people demonize, pathologize anger, but I like to say it's, it's healthy to be outraged about outrageous things. Some things are outrageous, right? Some things are, it's outrageous. So you're telling me like after all these years, like you couldn't say one nice thing? That's outrageous. It is, right? So I, you know, free myself to feel the complexity because some people feel the need to jump over their feelings to forgiveness. And it's fine for those who are choosing to like forgive the mom. But I feel for authentic forgiveness, you need to feel it first. Like if I, if I couldn't even, if I can't even acknowledge that it hurt, then this whole like, you know, I call it premature, ineffective forgiveness. I'm like, yeah, I'm over it. I'm over it. It's like, are you really? Like, did you sit with it at all? Like, did you even acknowledge it? So, you know, to, to feel it. And then for those who are wanting to do forgiveness, I just make the distinction between one, I can forgive a person who's not sorry, but we can't be reconciled if they're not sorry. Right. So if if she's like, you know, has no regrets and can't acknowledge anything she did, then I just say, you know, I may decide I don't want the upset to be the center of my life that every time. I see her name and hear her voice that I get worked up. Like that's why they say forgiveness is a gift to myself. I want to release that. But in terms of reconciliation, we're not going to really be buddies when you keep mistreating me. Right. So it's it's not I release myself from a mandatory performance. Right. And that was one of the, the gifts I had to understand. I can't remember if I said it when I was with you all before, but. Sometimes we stay quiet because we say we're keeping the peace. And so then I raise the question, whose peace are you keeping? And so sometimes we're protecting our mother's peace but what while you're falling apart, right? And so speaking truth does not always mean being mean. It's not mean to speak the truth. It's all about like, what is it I'm speaking? So, you know, I'm not doing the name calling. I'm just stating facts. And I'm stating the impact of those facts on my life. And I am fully prepared that you're not going to see it that way. So, you know, a lot of moms will will not remember. Like, I don't remember that story. Like, when did that happen? I didn't do that. Or they will explain it away and justify it by your behavior. Well, you were a troublesome teenager. So that's why I had to do what I had to do. Again, like no repentance about it, no remorse about it. Or you have those who will give like a throwaway apology and then want things to be all better. You know, like I said, I was sorry. So you're going to keep holding on to that. (laughs) So, you know, there's a different tone that comes when people are authentically sorry. Right. And it's not just like, "Mm, hurry up and get over it or you or you're too sensitive. When I really get the impact of what I have done, even though it's painful to sit with. 
of course, we would all like to like gloss over it. I, I get, I get that you don't trust me. I get that, you know, if I had to, if I had a do over, you know, I would have definitely wanted to do it better and you deserved better. Right? And I'm really sorry about that. It feels different, right? To get that than the other responses. And so that's an, an important part of the process. And even if, you know, some people are like, I'm not trying to forgive. I don't want to forgive, <laughs> right? That's your choice. But then it is for your own mental health, not living life looking backward, right? Because sometimes we have come to this thought of nothing is ever going to work out for me because I didn't get the foundation, right? Everybody else had this head start, this foundation of love and affirmation. I never got that. So my relationships are going to be messed up. I'm going to be messed up. And that becomes the script. And so what I like to say is I, I couldn't stop some people from writing on the pages of my life. Right. So, you know, who my parents were that wrote some things on my life. And as an adult, I have the pen in my hand now. I have the pen and I'm going to write the life I want to write. That was beautiful. I really love that last statement of. I have the pen in my hand and I can write the life I want to write. When I hear that, I really just think about, okay, so it's all in my hands. That I don't have to hang on to a relationship that isn't serving me. I don't have to continue to try to fully understand, ask for forgive, you know, ask, try to forgive. Like I don't have to do all of those things if it doesn't feel good for me. That I can decide that I want to sever that relationship and it doesn't make me or that person bad. I am t- taking control of my own narrative. Ooh, that is powerful. Powerful. And I think that it offers folks an opportunity to truly reframe and truly empower them to figure out for themselves like what really matters to them without the constraints of anyone else. And so as I think about how one is on this journey and they've made the decision that they are letting go and they are writing their own narrative moving forward, what are some tips that you would have for that person in that writing process? So as you are writing your story, I would encourage you to imagine what you want instead of living life in rebellion, right? If my only motivation is I'm not going to do that and I'm not going to be her and I'm not going to, not going to, not going to, it's like, in some ways, it keeps them at the center, right? They are the center 
of my of my mind, of my thinking. And so to begin to imagine, and it may be from, you know, some of the things you saw other people doing with their moms, that's something I want to do. It may be some of the things that, you know, if you look back, what you had wished for, you know, I wish she would have talked to me about this, or I wish, you know, that we could have had more fun together. I wish she had been honest about this, right? So then you recognize what you wanted, but then to imagine beyond that for a brand new picture, a brand new possibility. Now, I will say you want to be mindful not to overcompensate, right? So that's why sometimes when you grew up with the neglect, then you may raise children with that enmeshed style, right? Because this person was never there, then I'm going to be the center of my child's everything. And, you know, to the point where it can be like strangling, right? Of like, you know, it's just too much, not giving them any space. And I definitely see that also with trauma survivors is sometimes, you know, they're, you know, so fearful or anxious that they create anxiety for their children. So you want to try to give some breathing room while you are engaged and present. That was such great feedback, Dr. Tayman. I was actually going to ask you about how we can cultivate healthy relationships with our children if we didn't see that modeled. I feel like you kind of answered that. So I want to dive into a question around, you know, if there is a woman out there and maybe she's still dealing with some of the pain and the, you know, hurt and heartbreak from the relationship with her mom, any best practices on how to initiate that conversation? I'm sure that has the potential to be a very heated conversation potentially. So what are some best practices on engaging in that conversation and expressing your feelings for the things that happened in the past that you're still sort of trying to heal and recover from? So when we want to talk with someone about the past, you know, which is in some ways a confrontation, I would, you know, really say first to think about what do you actually want out of this exchange? You know, what is it that you're hoping for? And then I have people role play about the different responses you might get. Because sometimes we have this like fantasy that I'm going to tell them what they did and they're going to say sorry and then we can move on. And that script is a setup for disappointment or frustration and can end up making you feel worse. So when people are going to do any kind of dialogue about the past or confrontation, it's really important that you get to a place emotionally where no matter how they respond, I just want to speak my piece. Right? And if you're not there yet, you might not be ready for that conversation. It may be very destructive for you. So if I get to a place where I'm fully prepared that they might deny it, they might attack me, they might blame me, you know, I want to let them know that I remember what happened and that it wasn't okay and that it was hurtful and whatever it is else you want to say. It is also important to think about what you want when you're having a conversation like that because it's going to affect what you say and how you approach it. Meaning, if I would like to restore and heal this relationship, 
it requires a different tone than if this is my waiting to exhale grand exit where I'm going to tell you (laughs) I'm going to be unfiltered and tell you everything I never got to say and I never want to see you again. That's a different kind of conversation. You know, so is this <laughs> is this your finale exit and you're not holding back or are you, you know, do you want to repair? Right. Do you do you want a relationship? And sometimes when we're not clear about what we want, we can sabotage it. So the way it could mess up either way is if I'm wanting it to heal, but I totally blast them and dismantle them. Now they're going to avoid me and back up and retreat. And then there's no chance. And then now I'm hurt because I actually wanted a relationship, even though, you know, I just cussed you out. So that's a problem. And then the other problem is if this really is my exit and I don't say everything I wanted to say, it's going to feel I I may be mad at myself. Right. It's like I'm never going to see this person again, never going to speak to them again. And I didn't say the most important things I wanted to say, right? All right, lady, it's about that time. Dom and I want to share a few sponsors with you that we believe you'd enjoy. So stay tuned, get those promo codes, and we'll hop right back into this informative conversation. Lady, as you know, this month is Women's History Month, and it's a great opportunity to highlight the stories of Black women specifically. Black representation holds significant importance in conveying possibilities to everyone, not just those of us in the Black community. I can recall growing up watching Oprah Winfrey and the Black newscasters in my hometown of New Orleans, and it showed me the importance of sharing my own stories and using my own voice. Well, The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's latest collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Tracy Ellis Ross to Beyonce's Renaissance, Michelle Obama to the women behind the Montgomery bus boycott, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. What I love most about Black Stories, Black Truths is the fact that the stories are from us and they cover topics we want to hear. I recently listened to an episode called Tracy Ellis Ross is an Icon and Our Favorite Rich Auntie. And it was just such a breath of fresh air to hear her perspective on her new projects, what she loves most about podcasts, and how she feels about being called the Rich Black Auntie. It was good. Now, you know, Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be told about us without us. 
Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So really reflect on what you're wanting out of the exchange so that you can guide that. and then. You know, what you want to also avoid is name calling. So you want to be able to describe behaviors and events and how they made you feel. You want to try to avoid generalizations of like you always or you never. As soon as people hear that, they will get defensive and they will start to recount all the times they did do things for you. Right. So then it's like, how can you say that? When I'm the one that blah, 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 and I'm the one blah, and you don't remember that I blah, 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 right? So then we're going to miss the point because I I use the always, right? So, you know, you want to try to be as accurate as possible and, you know, what you are communicating and stressing, you know, how it made you feel. And you may even start with, I don't know what all was going on with you, or maybe I know a part of what was going on with you, but I wanted to share some feelings I have about what happened when I was younger. And I wonder if you would be willing to hear it. That's important. If you start like that, it's less likely for people to run out the room. It's like, because they're giving you their consent, right? So it's like, if I start with, you know, I've been thinking a lot about the past And I wondered if I could share with you, you know, what I remember and, you know, kind of how I feel about it, because we haven't really had that conversation. Do you, you know, are you willing to hear that from me? And the benefit of of, of phrasing it like a question is if they start it, they're more likely to stick it out because they have agreed to it. The other possibility, you know, I guess the con of it is they might say, I don't want to deal with the past. Right. So then you'll have a decision point if you honor that because, you know, it's not going to be fruitful anyway. Or you say, well, I want to talk about the past. So (laughs) I'm going to say what I want to say anyway. And then, you know, having your statement of like, what were the specific things, how they made you feel and, you know, and if there is something you want. Right. So, you know, if I want because some people may say, well, it's nothing we can do about that now. That was years ago. So if I want, do I want them to acknowledge like what I said is true? Do I want an apology? Do I want a change of behavior? Because it may be something that they continue to do till this day. Right. And so this is, you know, what I am wanting or needing from you. And I wonder if you're willing to do it, you know, that it, you know, it hurts me when you cuss at me. And you, you know, my whole life, you have said I'm just too sensitive. But I think at this point, like my sensitivity is not going to change. I just don't like it. So are you willing to stop doing that? Right. And then if they say no, well, then you have to make a decision. Yeah, I want to be cussed out or not. But so I would say thinking of what you want, if you can 
role play and practice even in your mind the different ways they might respond, sharing what the actions or events were that were hurtful without overgeneralizing, how they made you feel and what you would like. And then I would say also being prepared if I'm trying to I'm trying to restore the relationship, they might have some complaints about me. So, you know, often we'll get upset and say, I didn't call this meeting for that, right? This meeting is for me to say my issues, but to know it's possible that they might say their piece. And so, you know, if you can hear them out, you can, if you don't want to hear it, that's your choice as well. Amazing communication gems right there. I mean, lady, if you're listening, you can literally pick up exactly what Dr. Tamer just shared and use it in your life. That is so incredible. I know we're getting close to time, Dr. Tamer, and lady, hopefully you're not too upset with Dom and I. We're actually going to sort of shift from the OU Clatchet for this segment because Dr. Tamer already told us if she's going to twerk or two-step. She already told us the gems on our last episode, okay? So you got to check that out to hear what Dr. Tamer has shared, all right? And so just to kind of give you a little reminder, that was season three, episode 12, Healing Intergenerational Trauma. So what we want to ask you in the meantime, Dr. Tamer, spend the rest of our time talking about is two different things, actually. One, if you could give us some insight on what you've been doing for fun and self-care in the midst of this pandemic. And then number two, tell us some of the questions that you wish people would ask you more because you seem to be a thinker and you have these amazing quotes every day. So I'm like, oh, we know she has some amazing questions in her mind that she wishes people would ask. So feel free to share it. (laughs) All right. So in the midst of the pandemic, Things that I have been doing for fun. One of them is dancing. So you all asked about dancing last time. I love to dance. I discovered, and I'll pass them on to you, on YouTube, there is this mother-daughter team that does African dance aerobics called Kukuwa. Yes, and they're on Instagram, K-U-K-U-W-A. And it is amazing. It's the two of them and one of their like good friends or teachers And they have really short ones if you want to do like 15 minutes or then they have the full 40 minutes. It's inspirational. It's high energy. And, you know, it really feels like a community. So dancing is a good one. Another thing that has been helpful for me is getting out and walking because I'm in this like virtual background right now, but I'm actually in my room and I end up a lot of time sitting in this chair. Because I see clients and then I teach for Pepperdine and all our classes are online. And so every day I try to go outside, put my mask on and just walk, you know, walking, getting some fresh air. You know, you see people as you're passing them by and it's just reconnecting outside of this space, but doing that safely. And then I have a great group of sisters that we call The Gathering. And we used to meet at my house once a month. And we have switched to Zoom. And, you know, it's one of those where iron sharpens iron. So it's a sister collective where, you know, all these women are amazing women. And when we get in that space, though, we can be unfiltered. We can just really share. And also each of us shares like a point of inspiration. So like nobody is like just giving. And then like we all leave feeling full, right? So I love my sister circle. 
And we first paused when COVID started because we were like, oh, everything's shut down. And then, of course, it occurred to us we're doing everything else online. We could meet online. So I love that. All right. So then you said a question I wish people would ask me. I think I'll say I get a lot of questions. (laughs) I get a lot of questions. Maybe about my journey in psychology or like my journey to how I got here, because I think maybe a lot of my times I'm answering fact questions like psychological, like what is, tell us about depression, tell us about PTSD. And I do that most of the time, you know, because I said I'm a professor. And so I enjoyed you all's questions about the interpersonal, about relationship within the family and how we heal that. So yeah, maybe about how I got here. I am with you, Dr. Tamer, on Kukua Fitness. I love those ladies. That is so much high energy. I love it. So since people don't normally ask, I think we're going to ask and, you know, tell us what has been your journey in psychology. I think for me personally, like I love hearing that from other black psychologists, because I think our journey is one that is, can be different in a lot of ways. And, but then I also like, I, it's, I'm, yeah, I'm just, I'm going to let you speak. I'm curious to hear your journey. Yes. So for me, you know, I was a pastor's daughter. And so growing up in the black church, people call their pastor for counseling. And so that was, you know, calling our home at all times of day or night. And, you know, and people were often calling in crisis. And sometimes my parents weren't there. And even though my brother was two years older, he would often hand me the phone. If he answered and somebody was crying, he would hand me the phone. (laughs) And so I always, you know, like to say, I think healers are not only taught and trained, but also born. And, you know, some people just have a a heart for, for being with people. And, you know, I think a part of my heart for dealing with people is things not having always been easy. And so, you know, because some people will see like the title or the success and then wonder, like, how can you relate? And it's like, I can relate because I know, you know, personally, not just what I read in the book, right? (laughs) But I know personally what it is to experience despair or insecurity or fear, self-doubt, right? And so that's why I say, you know, with the homecoming podcast, facilitating the journey home to ourselves, that is a journey I've had to take myself. And it's a continuous journey, right? We don't just say like, oh, I've arrived, right? It is a continuous process for me coming home to me. And I think, you know, as I get older, being freer and freer about sharing that, right? And of course, in a lifetime, there are many different experiences, but, you know, one of them is just that as a teenager, we moved to Liberia, West Africa. So that was like, you know, this huge life altering experience, both in the positive to go somewhere where suddenly like everyone in a position of power looked like me. That's going to definitely boost your self-esteem. That's why, you know, often when we 
you know, talk to our sisters and brothers who, you know, are immigrants from Africa or the Caribbean, you know, sometimes there can be a confidence for, for coming of age in a place where you saw people thriving who looked like you, right, in every position. And then the challenge of that was after two years, we ended up being evacuated because of a civil war. And so that is a big part of my interest in trauma. And so because people often say, like, why, you know, why would you focus on trauma recovery where there's so much trauma in our community? And so, you know, yes, I'm there for people who, you know, are having like workplace stress and those kinds of things. But there are also those of us who have come undone, right, that some life events have happened that dismantled us. And I think it's important to be able to show up for people as we rebuild and restore. So that's why I do what I do. That is so beautiful, Dr. Tama. We appreciate you. What an experience. Like the experiences you've had are just incredible. We appreciate you, Dr. Tama. We want to thank you so much for your time. And if you want to share where our listeners can connect with you and learn more about your podcast, your books, where you are online, all that good stuff, we'd love to share the love and the knowledge. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This has been as delightful as it was the first time. So thank you for having me back. You all can follow me on Instagram at dr. Tama, and that's T-H-E-M-A. On Twitter, it's Dr. Tama without the period in the middle. My website is drtama.com. And my podcast, Homecoming, is on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And I would love for you to come and listen. Hey, lady, it's Dr. Dom here from the Her Space Podcast. Do you have a burning question you're dying to get feedback on? Do you want an unbiased perspective on a situation you're facing? If so, visit herspacepodcast.com and click Ask Dr. Dom under the Start Here option. Every Tuesday, I'll choose a few questions and answer them at random. Thanks for joining us today in Her Space. Please note that our show may contain conversations about self-help, advice, self-empowerment, and mental health, but it is by no means meant to be a substitute for an ongoing formal relationship with a trained mental health provider. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health care, please visit the Therapy for Black Girls directory, Psychology Today, or contact your insurance provider. If you liked what you heard and want to keep the conversation going, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Herspace Podcast, or check out our website at herspacepodcast.com. And before we meet again, repeat after me. Although my plans may change, I will stay committed to my purpose. We'll see you next week, lady. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.